So, John, there's a bit in this film where uh, Leonardo DiCaprio made a bit of a mistake where he smashed a glass into his hand, and but there's, he, he powered through, he, he kept on going because he really wanted that Oscar. And so he was <laughs> like, I've got blood all over my hand, I'm going to put it on your face and get an Oscar. Yeah. And it didn't work for him. Aww. But do you have an example of where something similar has happened to you, where you've had some kind of an accident that you've really had to, to work through to, I don't know, keep going? Yeah, I've actually had a very similar situation. I was selling slaves at the time. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, sorry, that got dark. Uh, no, I was interviewing for a job one time, uh, and it was a Skype interview. It was an in- initial Skype interview, so I was interviewing mm-hmm. from home. So I got all dressed up in my nice suits, you know, top only. Um, yeah. <laughs> Set my laptop on my glass table, mm. did the interview. At the time, my much-mentioned goldfish tank, you know, Befinder and Grace, who we often mention, that tank was actually sitting on this glass table. Mm-hmm. So and the, the laptop was in front of them, and then I was in front of the laptop, you know, giving a, what I think was a very good interview. I thought I was selling myself well, I was answering all the questions mm-hmm. correctly, I was giving good examples. It seemed to be going quite well, until about halfway through the interview, my table collapsed. Oh, God. The glass table shattered. It sliced my hand. Uh, so my hand was bleeding, and there was water all over the floor, and mm-hmm. my table was a mess, and my laptop obviously got cut off because it cut off the internet. So I had to then hurriedly phone back my interviewer and say, oh, I'm sorry we had a little technical difficulty there, but please mm-hmm. continue, but I'm afraid I'm not going to be able to be on um, on video on video anymore yeah. because I'm bleeding and sweating and my flat is rapidly filling with water. <laughs> Didn't tell him that, obviously. <laughs> and I, I think I did very well at powering through the interview. Mm. So yeah, I didn't get the job. Welcome, everybody, to Beyond the Box Set, the podcast where we pitch prequels, sequels, and spin-offs to films that don't have any. That is the first time in a while I've got an intro correct. Well done, you! Uh, (laughs) Ah, round of applause for Harry. Um, I'm Harry, and joining me as always is John. Hello. And we are not on a season this time. No, we're off-season. We're off-season, which means we can do anything we want, absolutely any film that we want. And so I thought that seeing as it's Tarantino film in cinema right now, I'd just delve into Tarantino back catalogue and pick out one of my favourites. Okay. Django Unchained. Good choice. I had never seen this movie. Really? No. I, well, the thing with Tarantino is I like Tarantino films. Like mm-hmm. everyone I've watched, I've enjoyed. I really like Pulp Fiction. Mm-hmm. I really, really like the Kill Bill duology. Yeah. Um, but he's the kind of director where he doesn't really make me like feel enough that I'm, I really want to go back and watch everything he's done. Mm-hmm. I'll happily watch every film that he comes out with if it comes up on this podcast or for any other reason. I'm happy to watch it, but I've not really ever felt like, oh, I must watch everything he's ever done. Mm. So this is one that I didn't see at the cinema at the time, and it just consequently never really crossed my path. Mm. That being said, I enjoyed it. Yeah. Good film. Yeah. Yeah. Long? It is very long. <laughs> very, very long. It's like just shy of three hours, I think. Mm, it's like that, yeah. yeah. two hours, 45, maybe. Mm. This could have been, like, you know how Kill Bill was conceptualised as a single film, mm-hmm. and it's, it's pretty much just split down the middle. Mm. I'm not sure where the obvious split point would be, but I could mm. see this being... I could see this also working as, like, two films. The split point would be, I think, just before they go to Candyland? Yeah. I feel like there's a film where he gets rescued. They'd have to change it a bit. Where but... he gets rescued and, like, they're, they're just bounty hunters. Yeah. For a while, like, for a winter. Definitely. And, like, that would be the film. And they'd probably just add in one more scene that's just a bit of a climax for the first film. Yes. And then after that, it would just be Leonardo DiCaprio film. Yeah. I think that would also have worked. Because yeah. it is, it is long. Mm. She is a long one. So, mm-hmm. yeah. but I wasn't bored. I mean, I think the very end, I slightly lost a little bit of interest at the end because mm-hmm. it does take a while to wrap up. Yeah, I think once Leo goes, spoiler mm-hmm. alert, I think the last like half hour, uh, yeah, because you lose Leo and you lose Christoph Waltz mm. pretty much instantaneously, mm-hmm. and then after that, there's still like, half an hour, and it's just it's not boring, mm-hmm. but you know you're engaged by that point. But it's definitely missing them because I think they are two of the best things about this film. Yeah. Like, they are both giving it... Well, we'll, we'll talk about it. But yeah. they're definitely giving you a lot to enjoy, so... Mm-hmm. But, yeah, no. I mean, what did you think? I mean, you just said it's one of your favourite Tarantino films, so I'm guessing you had a positive reaction to it. Yeah, definitely. I really enjoyed this film. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've seen it a few times, like, maybe three times or something. Okay. I, I've seen it spaced out enough that I've forgotten enough of it each time, mm-hmm. which is always a good thing to do. Sure. Looks fantastic. Music's great. I mean, it's... 
quintessential Tarantino in many ways. You know, it yeah. really is. It's got that you know style, very stylized. You know, the music, the soundtrack that kind of goes between. I guess it's kind of a. Is quintessential Tarantino? Is that a pun? As, as like, I said it, I knew what I was. I heard it as I was saying it. But I didn't mean to set it up. Is, that, is it? A, I don't know if it is. Well, I, I well as I heard myself saying it, I was like, should I go all the way and say quintessential Quentin? But no one ever calls yeah. him Quentin. He's always no, Tarantino. Yeah. So no, <laughs> accidental pun work. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, you know, the style is pure him. Mm. I don't think many directors, especially white directors, could get away with the things he does in this film. Mm-hmm. It's very audacious, you know. Mm-hmm. So much N word. Yeah, there's so much N word. Yeah, you know, I mean, and that is you know something that is debated a lot about Tarantino because it's in a lot of his films. Mm-hmm. He he does like that word, mm-hmm. or he, he seems to like putting that in his films. And, mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think the last thing the internet needs is two white guys arguing whether well, that's okay. So we're not <laughs> going to delve into it, but it's, no. it's certainly a little bit uncomfortable. And yeah, but also probably true to the true to the time, true to the time. Yeah. and you know, and it, I think maybe. It, yeah, maybe. I mean, you know, we weren't there, mm. but and also it, I think one of the things about Quentin Tarantino that you can't argue is that he does give. He he does write really good roles for non-white people. Mm-hmm. Like in a lot of like you know a lot of the best performances Samuel L. Jackson's ever done have been in Tarantino films. Yeah, like Jamie Foxx gets to be amazing in this. Mm. And also, what really struck me is that obviously it's a film about slavery, and you see so many films about slavery, like Oscar Beatty kind of mm-hmm. slavery films, and it's all so sad. Like <laughs> understandably so, it's a terrible, terrible, shameful yeah. thing. But like you know, films like Twelve Years a Slave, which I like just the wrong word, but appreciate it. I think mm-hmm. that's a great film. But a lot of the time, I think like black actors when when they they get a lot of these kind of roles where they're going to be playing servants or slaves, and they usually it usually just is two or three hours of them being dumped on mm-hmm. you know, or them surviving, you know, putting up with these horrible situations. Yeah. So I think there is something to be said for, and again, I'm not the person to make the you know judgment on on what's right or what isn't, but I've, I definitely think there's something to be said for the fact that Tarantino films give them something more to play with. Like, mm-hmm. Jamie Foxx gets to just be a kick-ass, cool-as-fuck hero. Mm-hmm. He's not... There's no point when he's, like, crying and weeping and being whipped and you're not like, oh, mm-hmm. God, that poor guy. You know, he's mm-hmm. just a badass. Yeah. Like, which I would imagine is more fun to play. Yeah, yeah definitely. Samuel L. Jackson's <clears throat> playing a very complicated, interesting character <laughs> who we'll talk about a little bit later. But, yeah, like, it's just showing more levels than just, like, the... I think there's definitely a trope of, like, the suffering black character who just... You feel bad for them, but all they get to do is just cry and be beaten and be shit on, basically. So mm-hmm. this film definitely doesn't do that. Mm. I mean, it shows that, but it also doesn't. But that's not what it's about. Yeah, it doesn't like. Yeah, you know, sometimes some films can be a bit misery porn and shit and stuff like that. And this film is certainly not misery porn. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. How do you like the bounty hunting business? Kill white folks and they pay you for it. What's not to like? No, I have to admit, we make a good team. I thought you was mad at me for killing Big John and Lil' Raj. Yeah, on that occasion you were tad overzealous, but normally that's a good thing. How'd you like to partner up for the winter? What you mean, partner? You work with me through the winter till the snow melts. I give you a third of my bounties. So we make some money this winter, and when the snow melts, I'll take you to Greenville myself, and we'll find where they sent your wife. Very good. Um, okay, so I'll do a plot summary. Sure. I mean, maybe just the broad... I mean, it's a three-hour <laughs> film, so maybe just, just, just the highlights. Maybe not to do it, for, not like scene for scene, but... Yeah. Okay, so first scene, Christoph Waltz shows up in a beautiful, uh, nice, long, Tarantino-esque scene. Yeah. He... Was this pre-credits? No, no, no. Was... Well, the, the, under the credits, are the, are the first the, the, scene. The, yeah, the, the credits, the very long credits finish with, the song. with, yeah, yeah. with this scene. Okay, yeah. Yeah, and so Christoph Waltz is a very interesting character because mm. so he's a he's a bounty hunter posing as a dentist posing as a dentist in his fabulous dentist wagon which mm. I really enjoyed yeah I always like the set design on Tarantino films like yeah. there's always something to look at mm. like the attention to detail is always really good but I loved his little wagon with like the giant tooth on the spring just mm-hmm. like going back and forth in the wind that was great mm-hmm. yeah. yeah that was good and the thing I found most interesting about him is that he never breaks the law no no he doesn't it, and it's a, it's a very interesting part of his of his character, especially in scenes like this where he's killing people and mm. as he's doing everything, he's kind of just sort of justifying things to people, just saying mm. like, well, you know, he he, he drew his gun on me first and, yeah. you know, he, he he attacked me first, so it's just self-defense and there's witnesses and everything and, okay, now I have just killed your horse and your brother or whatever, but I would like to purchase this slave, kind of get a, a, a bill of sale. Yeah, he's like, to um, other people, like to the, to the slaves, like, he's like, well, like you like, can kill him. Here's the money. Yeah. Um, like, I'm going to pay you. Like, you're probably going to die in the next minute. Yeah. But 
you some money. Yeah. Yeah, he doesn't break the law and he doesn't break a sweat. Yeah. He's always cool as a cucumber. Yeah. Right to the end. Mm. It really... Yeah, I loved this performance. Mm. And it really reminded... It gave me... This is a bit random, but it gave me, like, Willy Wonka vibes. Okay. Yeah, like yeah, I can see do, that. Do you know the original... Not the Johnny Depp one, but mm. the um, Gene Wilder one from the mm. 70s. You know how that Willy Wonka just felt like he was just, like unbothered by everything he was like oh I guess a kid's just been sucked up into a machine well it happens yeah Christoph Waltz was really giving me that that kind of just like strolling through the world just mm-hmm. you know cool as a cucumber mm. and slightly slightly off beast you know there's definitely a dark side because he's a killer mm. as is Willy Wonka mm-hmm. but like you know <laughs> but you know what I mean like he's definitely just, he'd got, he, he played it so well in this kind of yeah just a very interesting character mm. you know? yeah yeah definitely so uh, yeah he frees Django who was played by Jamie Foxx. Yes. Who is just a slave at this point. Yeah. Uh, because he wants to... Well, he, he wants to claim this bounty on these three people. It's a big bounty on these three brothers or the, something. The Brittle Brothers, yes. yes. but he doesn't know what they look like. Mm-hmm. But he has worked out somehow that Django uh, knows what they look like. So mm-hmm. he gets Django. He was looking for a slave from the specific plantation That's who would have it, recognised yeah. them. And Django happens to be one of those slaves. Yeah. I don't think he was looking specifically for Django, but Django mm-hmm. was from that plantation. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, so then they... He's been freed, and uh, they go. They go into town. The first thing they do is they uh, go into a bar, scare off the barman, uh, shoot the sheriff. But they do not shoot the deputy. They... Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry. <laughs> um, and so they bring the marshal, report the sheriff, and uh, I mean they get seen out of the town. But it's it's yeah. all it's it's fantastic character work from Christoph Waltz. It's just. Yeah. The way that he just owns all the scenes. He is really good in this, and he won the Oscar for Best Supporting Actor mm-hmm. for this role. And I would argue that he is the co-lead. I think it's weird that he got mm, Best yeah. Supporting Actor. He definitely has the most lines of dialogue. I know it's Jamie Foxx's story, mm. but Jamie Foxx doesn't say a whole lot. And I know dialogue's not, you know... It's definitely Jamie Foxx's story because you see where he comes from and where he like where his yeah. character develops. And he is the title. Like yeah. Christoph Waltz's character doesn't really develop that much. True. No. The only thing he develops is hatefully in Leonardo DiCaprio. That is true, actually. Yeah. That's it. But I mean, he's on screen a lot for supporting. Yeah. Uh, well, we'll talk about when we get Samuel L. Jackson, but I think Samuel L. Jackson should have been the one who they pushed as the best supporting actor because mm. he Samuel L. Jackson should have an Oscar by now. Mm, definitely. But anyway, we'll get to that later. So yeah, yeah. Christoph Waltz, amazing, deserved his Oscar. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily a supporting actor mm. though. And so then, from there they move on, they go to a plantation run by a man uh, called Big Daddy. Which immediately got my ears up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, played by Don Johnson, 80s icon Don Johnson. I know you sure. probably didn't recognise him, but no. yeah. Who looks like the KFC guy, the colonel. <laughs> Am I wrong? Yes. No, he 100% does. <laughs> oh, wait, is it at this point that Jamie Foxx puts on his fabulous blue suit? Yeah, so slightly before that, Christoph Waltz takes Jamie Foxx into a clothing store... And they're having a conversation about hats or whatever. And then Christopher Waltz says, and so, right, you can choose your own costume. And then Jamie Foxx pauses and like, you're saying I can choose my own clothes? Yeah. And then just flash, flash cut. <laughs> He's just wearing a blue suit with a massive white bow on it. And he looks ridiculous. But also he's got so much confidence. I mean... An incredible it, amount of confidence. Yeah, I mean, I mean Jamie Foxx can... Well, like he's, he, he's there like slowly riding a horse with one hand and yeah. stuff. I mean, it's... Well, first of all, you're right. Jamie Foxx in this film proves that he can pull off any kind of outfit because mm. he, anything you put him in, he just looks suave as fuck. Yeah. That being said, I mean, it is just the Austin Powers suit, right? <laughs> it is <laughs> literally much, yeah. Austin Powers' suit. Yep. Yep. <laughs> With the big frilly white ruff and the long sleeves and the bright, bright blue. Like, mm. crazy. But, yeah. That there is the pantry. That's where Big Daddy hang all his dead meat. Squirrels. What you do for your master? Didn't you hear him tell you I ain't no slaves? So you really free? Yes, I was free. You mean you want to dress like that? Yes, then he goes up and he uh, he, he finds one of the brothers, mm-hmm. um, two of the brothers actually, and they're just about to start whipping this woman. Yeah. And then we get a flashback to when his wife, uh, Broomhilda, was whipped. Yeah, uh, quite quite intensely, and he was like begging one of the brothers not to whip her and stuff. Yeah, um, bit of an intense flashback. Yeah, this is where we get the the, the backstory that informs the main plot, which is that mm-hmm. yeah, Jamie Foxx is married to a woman named Brunhilde, who is mm-hmm. another slave. One of her mistresses was German, mm-hmm. and so she was taught to speak German, and she was named given a German name. Yeah, played by Kerry Washington from Scandal. 
Yes, and so the, the film basically, one of the main plots of this film is his search to have her, to rescue her and to be reunited with her. Because mm-hmm. they tried to run away together at some point when they were slaves together. And the, they were caught, they were, she was horribly whipped and branded, and then they were sold the slave, the slave owner, the plantation owner, sold them separately so that they, so that they would be separated. Mm-hmm. So that's basically he's looking for her. So this incident with the other slave lady being whipped gives him that flashback. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And so then he uh, grabs the whip or something. I don't know. And he starts whipping. No, no. First, first of all, he shoots one of the brothers. He shoots one. And uh, watches he falls over forwards just before delivering the line. I like the way you die, boy. Mm-hmm. Which was. Yeah. Obviously, the line of the movie that was cool. Well, one yeah. of there's a lot of lines in this movie. That's I remember one. that one from the trailers. Sure, yeah. And like, was that a Kanye West song or something? I don't know. One of them that appeared in this, mm-hmm. like, it uses that quote in the song. Oh right, okay. Um, sure. Like that quote appears in a song later in the film. It's weird. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of the good ones, yeah. Mm. But then we get the other one. One of the other brothers has that classic Western movie where he pulls a gun and then fumbles with it, and mm. then that's when Jamie Fox has the opportunity to whip him. Yes. Yeah. And uh, yeah, he just whips and whips and whips him, and then eventually he just shoots him in the head. Mm-hmm. And then Christoph Waltz comes over kind of quickly and says, "What do you just do? Who's that?" And he's like, "Well, that's brother one, that's brother two, brother three's over there in the field." Mm-hmm. And Christoph Waltz shoots him with a sniper. And uh, yeah, then Big Daddy comes along and is like, "What's all this about?" And they're like, "It's bodies, <laughs> criminals." And then they're yeah. on, and then they're on the way. Yeah, once again, Christoph Waltz just talks his way out of it. He's like, yeah. "Well, you know, I've got a warrant." Mm. And so then. Uh, you get to the next scene, which for some reason I always forget, though it is maybe the best scene of the film. Which is <laughs> uh, the raid. Yeah, the raid, which is incredible. So Christoph Waltz, he takes like all his money and stuff out of the... How did the, he the, know the, this was going to happen? The hidden, the hidden compartment, which is the tooth of his... Uh, his wagon, yeah. Wagon, and just leaves that in, a, in an opening. Yeah. And the KKK just run over the hill with... Yeah. Well, Big Daddy has organised it. Hoods. So, so when, Big, when, when Christoph Waltz and uh, Jamie Foxx killed... The three brothers, mm. even though it was legal and they showed the warrants, so Big Daddy was like, "Well, get off my land," mm-hmm. you know. And so, but then this basically Big Daddy, who was obviously a member of the KKK, mm-hmm. has now organised a raid because he's angry about this thing that they've come onto his land and killed a three of his mates or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, a raid by about thirty or forty KKK members to mm-hmm. attack his van and kill the two yeah. of them. But somehow, Christopher Waltz has figured out that's what's going to happen. So he's kind of him and Jamie Fox have gone to hide. Mm. They've set up some stuff in the wagon mm-hmm. and. Uh, we get the raid. Yeah. Uh, but first we, like, as they start running down the hill, then we get a cut to, I guess it's like, a, a scene earlier. Flashback, yeah. Yeah. Uh, which goes on for ages and it is hilarious. It's like, a, it's from a different film. I like, yeah. I'm not complaining, but it's really, the tone is so different. It's like, mm. suddenly this film is like a, it's like a Seth Rogen comedy. You know what yeah, I mean? It's com- got this real yeah. like, knockabout comedy vibe. Mm. Where Jonah just, Hill's there. Jonah Hill's, why was Jonah Hill in such a tiny, tiny role? <laughs> I don't know. I feel like Jonah Hill was famous at this point, right? Mm. Yeah, he definitely was. It was right, just this like... the time of Wolf of Wall Street, 2009-ish, yeah, About that, yeah. Because yeah. Mm. Yeah. he like, really has I've, a nothing. Hey, I've got an opportunity to be in a Tarantino movie. Mm. and Oh, sure, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, But he does nothing. No. He's just there. It's like, oh, that's Jonah Hill. <laughs> mm. uh, yeah, and so it's just all logistics of the masks and how people yeah. can't see through them and... Mm-hmm. You know, just it's, like the, the, this, this one guy's wife just worked all day making these masks. Yeah, like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, well, screw you guys, I'm going home. Yeah. Which ultimately saves his life. So, you know. Yeah, yeah, I guess. <laughs> Anybody bring any extra bags? No, nobody brought an extra bag. I'm just asking. Do we have to wear them when we ride? Oh, well, shit fire. If you don't wear them as you ride up, that just defeats the purpose. Well, I can't see in this fucking thing. I can't breathe in this fucking thing and I can't ride in this fucking thing. Well, fuck all y'all. I'm going home. Now, I watched my wife work all day getting 30 bags together for you ungrateful sons of bitches. And all I can hear is criticize, criticize, criticize. From now on, don't ask me your mind for nothing. But yeah, so anyway, they move on from there and they, this is where we start getting introduced to Leo at some point. We do a little montage of them through the winter, just like killing loads of criminals and collecting mm-hmm. the bounties. And Django becomes like a crack shot. So mm-hmm. I guess they're learning from each other. Then the snow melts, and they find out that Brunhilde is being held at. Um, she's owned by a guy called Candy, mm-hmm. played by Leonardo DiCaprio, mm-hmm. at his plantation, which is called, appropriately enough, Candyland. Yes. Yes. Um, and so we first get introduced to Leo. Um, not in Candyland, somewhere else. Um, no, he's in Candyland. No, it's not because they then travel there the next day. Oh! 
So, oh yeah, but they're in some kind of house or where? Because yeah. so, I, I, th- I think it is a place that he owns, like a bar or something. Sure, I'm not yeah. sure, but yeah. So he's a man. He he's really into mandingo fighting, which is basically black men fighting to the death, making black men fight hand to hand combat to the death. Yeah, slaves fight hand to hand combat to the death. Yeah. yeah. And so we see that. We, I mean, we don't see it in full, but it's definitely there. Yeah, um, I think we see enough. We, it's yeah, a pretty we do, brutal. Yeah. <laughs> it's a very brutal scene. Yeah, that was a bit where I kind of looked away a little bit because oh, this is I, oh, it, it was quite intense. Mm. I mean, we should talk about Leo though at yes. this point since he now enters the film. He is doing everything he, he is can doing to win an Oscar so much, <laughs> and he really deserved it for this. He, was, he is phenomenal. He, he this really might did. be my favorite Leo performance. It's definitely yeah. the top five. He is. So good in this. I think he should play villains more often. Oh, yeah. He's having a lot think, of fun. I think everyone should play villains more I often. I mean, yeah, it's, it's always more fun to play the villain. Mm. But he, I don't think it, feel like he does that often. But, like, mm. he's... Because sometimes with Leo, sometimes I find him a little bit self-serious. Like, when he's playing, like, serious roles. Like, in Inception. Yeah. He's great in it, but he's very, like, I'm giving a very serious performance. Yeah, yeah, serious yeah. Role. Whereas in this, it felt like he was just... Chewing the scenery is the wrong word because he's not giving. He's giving a very good performance, mm. but like he is just definitely going all all the way to eleven when it you know, mm-hmm. and his his whole his look was just. I, I had so much fun with the way he was dressed, mm. like with his that like burgundy suit with the um, constant cigar smoking and the he's drinking like a drink out of a cocktail with a ludicrously long straw. Mm-hmm. And it's just it's just everything about it was, and all his servants are dressed like they're at Disneyland or something. Yeah, pretty much. It's. It's a lot. It's re- it's a lot of fun. Yeah, he is. Yeah, he's he's really relishing this character. Yeah, he he must have enjoyed filming it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. So it, it's it's fantastic. And yeah. uh, what uh, Jamie Fox and Christoph Waltz are doing is they want to try and get Broomhilda from Leo. Yeah. And so their con to do that is they're going to pretend to be into this fighting as well mm-hmm. and want to buy one of his fighters yeah. for a ridiculously high price. Yes. And then try and get Brunhilde as kind of like a, a bonus purchase. Yeah, because I think the idea is that if they just said, we want to buy this worthless woman, mm. he'd be like, why? Yeah. Like, it wouldn't, it wouldn't make any sense. She's, like, she's not worth anything. Unless, yeah. And so, but if they're like, oh, well, she speaks German, she's cute, throw her in as an extra, mm-hmm. plus this fighter, mm. then that's the kind of deal that he would probably want to make. So, yeah. that's their plan. So, yeah, he's, he's interested, which I, th- I think that's another one of the, the big lines in this, like, you had my attention, now you have my interest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, it was, it would, that was a good line, yeah. Good delivery as well, yeah. Yeah. He's really, like, massaging that southern accent. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you won't tell your best. You won't even tell your second best. But your third best, you don't want to tell him either. But if I made you an offer so ridiculous, you'd be forced to consider it. <laughs> Who knows what could happen? <laughs> And what do you consider ridiculous? For a truly talented specimen? Well, how much would you say, Django? $12,000. Well, gentlemen, you had my curiosity, but now you have my attention. And so then they, the next day, go to Candyland, and um, then we get introduced to Mr. Samuel L. Jackson. Yeah. Who is in about two tons of makeup. It, it is the <laughs> oldest he's ever looked. Like, we always say, like, Samuel L. Jackson, damn, he's like 75. He mm. looks ridiculous. Mm. In this film, he definitely... I mean, he's he, pushing yeah, 120. He looks like, yeah. Such a good performance for him. Mm-hmm. I can kind of see, like I was saying before, like... This, for me, is... Like, Samuel L. Jackson's only been nominated for one Oscar, which is for Pulp Fiction, which he didn't win. Which mm-hmm. is crazy. Crazy he didn't win, and crazy that that's his only Oscar nomination. Yeah. This would have been a prime opportunity to give Samuel L. Jackson an Oscar. Mm. Like, so good. I think it might be because he's playing a not... It's quite rare for villains to win Oscars. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it's such a weird character. Like, it's such a complicated character. Mm. It's so interesting, though. Like, him and Leo have this very interesting, like, almost equally matched relationship that, mm. like... They trust each other. They can each they, tell each other off. They tell each other off. He can be mm. incredibly, you know, for the time, he can be incredibly, like, rude and bold. Mm. He could, he can actively criticise Liam mm-hmm. and stuff. So, yeah, it's like he's taken in the slavery and and just kind of, rather than, like, try and help the other slaves, he's just like, well, I'm going to cl- climb up and then pull the ladder away kind mm. of thing. Yeah. So it's a really interesting character, and he does it so well. Yeah. And the dynamic between those two, I thought, was really interesting, the whole film. Mm-hmm. Like, how, because he kind of plays like an old fuddy-duddy like he, he definitely plays up being a bit like 
a bit confused and a bit just an old crank. Mm-hmm. And then when he sees what's going on, he, when he pulls later in the film, when he pulls Leo to one side, he's like, mm-hmm. they're playing you for a fool. And his entire demeanor changes. Mm-hmm. And you can tell they have a real partnership. It's yeah. really interesting. Them motherfuckers ain't here to buy no mandingos. They wants that girl. <laughs> Steven, what the hell are you talking about? Huh? They playing your ass for a fool is what I'm talking about. They ain't here for no muscle-bound Jimmy. They here for that girl. What, what girl? What, Hildy? Yeah, Hildy. Her and Django. Them niggas know each other. He, he just bought Eskimo Joe. Did I, he give you any money? No, not yet, but then they Then he go. ain't bought Diddley. Not yet, no, huh? But he's just about to buy who he come here to buy when I interrupted him. Thank you, Stephen. You're welcome, Calvin. Yeah, and so then we get a, uh, I don't know, slightly before the evening dinner. Christoph Waltz uh, wants to see Sebrunhilde just so he can speak his native tongue. Yeah, he's like, I heard that you have a servant here that, or a slave here that speaks German. Mm. I'd love to spend some time with her. Mm. And that's when we get yeah, to Washington. And, and so then uh, we get introduced to her properly and she mm. gets taken up to his room. Um, there's a long conversation in German and then Django reveals himself and then, yeah, they see each other. She faints. She faints, yeah. <laughs> I was a little bit disappointed that she got so little to do in this film. Mm. Like... She yeah. really was just a very passive character. Because mm. I think sometimes Quentin Tarantino gets criticised for this, but on the whole, I think he writes some amazing female characters. Mm-hmm. Like Uma Thurman in Kill Bill, amazing. Mm-hmm. Uma Thurman in Pulp Fiction, amazing. Yeah. Jackie Brown, incredible. But in this film, it is true that like she's the only really interesting female character. And she's not interesting. Yeah. All she does is cry and get abused. And mm. it's a shame, because Kerry Washington could do a lot better. Mm, but, definitely, yeah. But anyway, they get reunited and... Yep. She finds out the Django's come to save her. Yeah. yeah. And so then they go down and have an evening meal with Calvin Candy, um, where they... And, and this is the best scene. Where, where, where they actually start talking business, mm. and this is... It's so, so tense, because yeah. the, the plan goes flawlessly initially, and then Samuel L. Jackson clocks on that, hey, those two know each other. They keep, yeah, he sees the glances between the two of them, yeah. yeah. Which is what I like, because, again, he plays like this old, doddering old fool, but mm. then he's actually... He, that's that's something he's putting on, because he's mm. really watching and he's seeing everything, yeah. And he takes Leo out to the library, tells him that, then Leo comes back in and just monologues for, like, a solid half hour. This monologue... It's fantastic. Yeah. How this didn't even get him nominated for an Oscar is yeah. insane. Mm. And also, because that year at the Oscars, going off track a bit, that was a really weak year at the Oscars. Because That year, because Christoph Waltz won his second Oscar. Mm. And, like... Christoph Waltz is amazing in this film. Certainly, yeah. But he already had an Oscar, and so mm. did everyone else. Who, so you had five actors who already had Oscars. Mm-hmm. So there was literally no tension. Mm. Like, because nobody needs two Oscars, you know? Y- yeah. Like, and what an opportunity for either Samuel L. Jackson or Leonardo DiCaprio. Put them in there. They mm. would walk it. Mm. Why give it to Christoph Waltz? Mm. As good as he is. Like, it just seems really strange to me. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, don't, I don't know. But, yeah, this scene with Leo is amazing. And this is a, f- a very famous acting story where... When filming the scene, Leo, the actor, slammed his hand down and accidentally smashed a small wine glass mm. and the glass went into his hand. Mm-hmm. And rather than stop filming, he just kept going. Mm. And he finished the monologue and his hand is literally pouring with blood. Mm. And I'm it's, all, it's, it's crazy. Like, it's all down his arm. Yeah, it's not, it's and not then a like tiny he, injury. And then, like, he builds it into the scene as well. Like, yeah. Kerry Washington, is it? Yeah. Kerry. Yeah. Like, so, like, she's sitting there... And he like grabs her by the back of the head with one hand, and well, then with his bloody fair, hand wipes it all over her face. To be fair, that was fake blood. That was that, oh, was, that was a different take because you, oh, okay. you for health and safety you couldn't do that. Like yeah. he would have been arrested. Like you can't just rub your blood on someone's face. No, <clears throat> but that he finished the first part of that scene before she comes in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's because I was watching. No, I didn't actually know that story. So I was watching. I was like, have I missed something? Why is this hand bleeding? Because mm. I didn't notice any obvious point when that was. Mm. And then well, that's weird. And then obviously it just is built into the story but mm. yeah he just he just kept going and then they were like wow that is so much that was A you nailed the speech mm-hmm. and B it makes it better so let's just leave it in mm. but then for the Kerry Washington they washed him and put fake blood on because you can't rub someone's blood on someone's face that's sure. really unhealthy so sure yeah. okay but yeah it, 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 an incredible movie moment mm. yeah yeah big time hey now lay your palms flat on that tabletop if you lift those palms off that turtle shell tabletop, Mr. Pooch is going to let loose with both barrels that start off. There have been a lot of lies set around this dinner table here tonight, but that you can believe. Mr. Moby, 
Would you be so kind as to collect the pistol hanging off these boys' hips here? Yes, and so then they uh, they buy uh, Brumhilda for the original thirteen thousand or whatever it was so, yeah, that, they, that they were going to buy, yeah. buy that slave for. Yeah, that's the thing. So initially, the idea was that the trick was that Christoph Waltz was going to buy one of the Mandingo fighters for mm-hmm. twelve thousand dollars, and it'd be like, "Well, throw this worthless Brunhilde slave in for like three hundred, whatever." Yeah. yeah, and then that's what they really wanted. But when he sees fruit, he's like, "No, I'm keeping my fighter, and you're going to pay full price if you want her that badly. You'll mm-hmm. pay full price for her. Mm-hmm. You can either do that, or I'm going to." bash your head in with a hammer right now yeah it's very intense yeah and christoph waltz thankfully says okay fine he, he gives in and mm-hmm. so they pay like twelve thousand dollars for mm-hmm. which in like 17 whatever year this is twelve thousand dollars would be like it'd be like paying a million for an hour what do you mean you're buying a person you're buying a person no no i'm not saying she's not worth it but i'm saying like the amount of money for them at that time it's, mm. it's incredible oh like, yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah yes and so then they bought her and you think that it's all going well and uh, then Christoph Waltz refuses to shake Leo's hand, yeah. um, which just gets more and more tense. And then eventually Leo pisses him off enough that Christoph Waltz shoots him in the heart. And then Christoph Waltz just gets blown away by one of the guards yeah. or something. It was like Christoph Waltz was like resigned to the fact that he was going to die. Because mm. he shoots Leo, but it, the rest of the film he's like a real quick draw. Yeah. He shoots Leo and then he just kind of shrugs and goes, I'm sorry I couldn't resist. And then gets yeah. shot. In that time, he could easily have shot the other guy who shoots him. Easily, yeah. Easily. The other guy didn't get his gun out quickly. No, he reacted incredibly slowly. Yeah. Mm. Crazy. But I guess it needs to happen for the plot. Yeah. yeah. And so then Django jumps out and there's a massive gunfight in which this house painted in white becomes red. It just becomes like a um, video game at this point. Yeah. It's, like, it's like Red Dead Redemption or something. Like. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's crazy. There's people getting kneecapped left and right. Mm. So much blood. So much. It, unreal amount of blood. It's, yeah. it's great. And that's very Tarantino as well. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, then Django doesn't get away. He has to surrender. Um, because Samuel L. Jackson manages to get hold of Brunhilde. And he's like, surrender, yeah, or, we'll, surrender or we'll kill your wife, basically. Yeah. So he has no choice. Yeah. Yeah, so he surrenders. And we then cut to him. He's being hung upside down. He's got his face in a thing. I don't know what it's called. A piece of metal around his face. So he can't... Like a muzzle really kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. And uh, Baddy McBad guy is about to... Uh, oh, cut, Walter Goggins. Yeah, he's about to cut off his balls. Yeah. And at the very last minute, he gets interrupted and is told not to do that. Yes. And then Django gets just sold off. Yeah, because Leo, we, we didn't talk about Leo's sister, mm. who, who quite, I found to be quite an interesting character. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, he's got a widowed sister who, their relationship felt weird. Yes, There's very lots weird. of mouth kissing and yeah. yeah. There were certain moments in this film when Leo really did go all the way up to 11. And mm-hmm. one of them that I really noticed was like when he first arrives at... Candyland, and mm. he just shouts at the top of his lungs, mm. like, "Where's my beautiful sister?" Yeah. It's, like, it's such a nothing line, but he decides to deliver it at like <laughs> peak Leo, and I don't know why, but I loved it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Where is my beautiful sister? There she is! <laughs> Doctor Schultz, this attractive Southern Belle is my widowed sister, darling. You are a tonic for tired eyes. May I present to you Lolly Candy Fitzwilly. But yeah, this sister is basically his like accomplice, I guess. She mm. doesn't you don't see a whole lot of her, but I thought she was quite interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it turns out that she, after Leo's been killed, she's decided that rather than have Django killed, they're gonna sell him to an Australian mining company. So he's mm. gonna have to be basically worked to death. Yep. So there's a more cruel way of killing him, essentially. Mm-hmm. So that's why he doesn't get his balls chopped off. Right yeah. Now. And so he gets sent away with uh, these three slavers, one of them is Tarantino. Oof. Uh, <laughs> Oof. I wish he'd stop doing this. I mean, he's not the he's not the best director to, to cameo in his own movies, but he's also not the worst. I don't know. He's man. not M. Night Shyamalan. I mean, has M. Night Shyamalan ever put on a really bad Australian accent? No. This really took me out. Yeah. Like, other times, like Pulp Fiction, I was like, oh, this is weird. He's not as good of an actor as everyone else, but mm. I can get... This was just like, it really took me out of the movie. Mm. It was so weird. Like, why that accent choice? I don't know. The whole thing was just... He's only in it for like a minute, so mm. it's not a big deal. But I wish he'd stop doing yes. this. Hey, white boy. I said, hey, white boy. Shut up, Black. You ain't got nothing to say I want to hear. How'd you like to make $11,000? You win that? I said, how'd you like to make $11,000? 11500 actually. The fuck are you talking about? Back there at that plantation, Candyland, there was $11,500 fortune just sitting there. And y'all rolled right past it. You be damn blacky. We're not bandits. I ain't saying that. 
Nice thing about this fortune is, it ain't illegal. You can't steal it. You got to earn it, white boy. You got something to sound like you say. And so then Django, uh, he talks his way out of the cage and out of the shackles and stuff, and he's like, hey, there's a bounty there that's just sitting there. Mm-hmm. Um, we can all go and get it together. And then the the slavers are complete idiots, and they absolutely fall for it. And like they even give him a gun. Yeah, and like at which point he just shoots and blows up. The second he's got the gun, he he just kills all three of them. Well, he blows Count Tarantino up, which I yeah. thought was very funny. He literally yeah. just explodes him. <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe Tarantino didn't want to film a proper death scene. You know, it was like getting shot and stuff. Yeah, yeah. No, I thought it was funny. It was a it was a funny death scene. Mm. Yeah, and he gets away, and he 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 goes back. Uh, everybody's out at uh, Cotton Candy's funeral mm-hmm. at the time. Um, he goes back. He uh, he frees Brumhilda, mm-hmm. and then he. He's waiting for everybody when they get back. They get yeah. back. Nice big monologue again. He's, um, did you notice he'd put on Leo's burgundy suit? Oh, had he? Yeah. The same suit. <laughs> Great. Great. <laughs> he he shoots all the white people. Yeah. Um, let's, all, let's all the black people go. Mm-hmm. Um, apart from Samuel L. Jackson, who he then has a bit of a chat to. Just a chinwag. Samuel L. Jackson reveals that he does not need his walking stick, drops that, and then Django immediately shoots him in the kneecaps. Yeah. Both kneecaps. Mm. And then leaves him to die while the house blows up. Yeah, he blows. <laughs> uh, and then he does some uh, horse cantering thing, that Olympic sport. Dressage. Dressage, dressage yeah. He, yeah, just some Olympic dressage for a bit. Mm-hmm. And uh, then that's the end of the film. They ride off into the sunset, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Crazy. It's good fun, yeah. Mm. I enjoyed Samuel L. Jackson's death scene. It was very, it was very, like, he was really giving it. Mm. Like, I liked it. I was like, oh, Jesus, Lord, let me kill him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You'll never get away with this. Like, <laughs> <laughs> mm. Yeah. And this is it. It was, this was good fun. Mm. This was a really fun, considering it's got a very, very dark subject matter. Mm-hmm. It was a lot of, which is what Tarantino does very well. Like, yeah. He takes very dark things and makes them just entertaining. Yeah. All right. Yeah, I, I definitely had a very good time with this. Good. Yeah. Very good. Um, okay, well, I guess that that uh, leads us on to drinking games. Mm-hmm. I've, I've got a few here, not too many. Cool. Do you want to go first? Uh, sure, okay. So, I had drink every time blood spatters on something. Oh, I got that one as well. Yeah. Because yeah. like, every time anyone gets... I think a drink from a gunshot, mm, not so much, but drink when there's like... A very a intentional, artificial blood, blood splatter. Yeah. And you'll see, you know, obviously in the big fight scene, it just... It's just spattered all over the place, but mm. also like when anyone gets shot in a field, you'll see a cut of like the blood spattered onto like mm-hmm. white roses and mm-hmm. stuff. Like, it's, it's just everywhere. Yeah, right. yeah. Uh, drink for the N word. I mean, you die. <laughs> don't you die, drink, you die in yours. As don't well. drink for the N word. You maybe, but like the N word, you would absolutely don't drink on the N word because you will go to hospital <laughs> with alcohol poisoning. It is well, every well, other word. Think, think of every gunfight. Like say that gunfight just after Leo True. dies. Well, There's a lot, of blood, a lot of blood splatters yeah. right there. Sure, you'd like struggle to drink for literally every gunshot because, like, they're so fast and rapid. Every blood splatter every, would yeah. be the same in that scene. True, 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 yeah. Yes. Yeah. But definitely drink every time they make you feel a bit nervous because they are frequent. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, drink for every Jamie Foxx costume change. Nice, he, nice. It does. He does get a really good showcase for mm. all the different looks he can pull off in this film. Yeah, right? I was thinking that. I like his end look, like when he blows up the house and then mm. he, like... He's got a cigarette in his mouth and it just goes to like a facial close-up and he puts his, he puts his shades on, mm. which I think might be anachronistic, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe, I don't know. And he's just like, yeah. yeah I just, it's, the, it's the coolest he looked, yeah. Oh, 100%. It's, it's the cover, isn't it? Isn't it the poster? Probably is, yeah. Okay, drink any time anybody does a figurative mic drop. There's so many things like, say, uh, Christoph Waltz, after he shot the sheriff, he's saying, like, well, he finishes the speech by saying, well, essentially, Marshall, you owe me $200. <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay. Like, <laughs> And there's a few like that. Christoph Waltz does it a couple of times. I think Django does it once or twice. Yeah. Yeah, there's there's a lot of speeches that just end in like one statement, yeah. pause for audience laughter, and yeah. then like enemy yeah. face reactions. Well, I win. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think Christoph Waltz's like final line as well. Sorry, couldn't resist. Yeah. Mic drop. Yeah. Dead. Yeah. Yeah. He ends on a mic drop, which is great. Yeah. <laughs> we all we can all aspire to that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, drink every time someone spits. Oh, yeah. There's lots of, one, yeah. you know, classic Western like hocking up. You know, phlegm, you see a lot of that. Yeah. Mm. Every, basically, every time any white character looks at Jamie Foxx, they seem to be, like, <laughs> spitting. Uh, yeah, sure. Mm. Uh, drink any time Jamie Foxx, I guess in response to yours, just is extremely confident, is over 100% confident. Sure, yeah. He's very self-assured. Mm. Yeah. Uh, I drink for facial zoom shots. 
Oh yeah, that's a good. One. You know, there's a lot. It's very Tarantino stylized. When mm. anytime a character is introduced, the shot freezes and then zooms in on their face, and mm. then it's like a, a close up, and it's like you expect like their name to show up in text. Mm. Yeah, Leo's introduction is the best example of that. When he just turns around, it just kind of goes zoom, mm-hmm. ding. Mm-hmm. Leo is in the film now. Yeah, because that happens like ninety minutes in. Yeah, so like, oh, it's Leo. <laughs> yeah, it takes ages. Mm. Uh, yeah, uh, drink for each new character introduction. So I guess that's kind of the same as yours, really. Yeah, but I mean, not everyone gets a special shot but yeah no, I mean, there are a lot of characters so mm. that's a lot of opportunity for drinking so, mm. yeah. I think that's about all I've got to yeah that's all I've got as well mm-hmm. okay well listeners if you've enjoyed listening to this podcast so far and you think you may enjoy the rest of it well firstly listen on mm-hmm. uh, but secondly if you do really enjoy it then please do go to patreon.com slash beyond the box set where you can show your support by donating as much or as little money a month to us as you like as you like Come on, you can yes. get through this. Yeah. Sorry, I, I, my sentence order got all mixed up there. <laughs> um, if you do, you get a few bonuses. You get a bonus show called Beyond Beyond the Box Set, where we review cinema releases. Mm-hmm. We release those episodes weekly, so it's basically two episodes for the price of one. Yep. And also, once a month, every Patreon gets a 30-second advert slot on the main show. Yep. You can advertise anything you want. It can be your own podcast, your own business, whatever you, whatever you feel like talking about, really. Mm-hmm. And also, once a month, we do a Patreon episode, again, on the main show, where we pick one Patreon who gets to choose the film for us, and, yeah, we'll do it. You can guest on the show if you want. It's up to you. You can Skype in, you can come in in person, or we can, you can just let us do it by ourselves. Yep, whatever works for you. Mm-hmm. All that is available at patreon.com slash set. Indeed. Let's see, Alex. Uh, what do you think of Jaws, which is at 97% Rotten Tomatoes? I find it to be anti-shark propaganda. What do you feel about the Entourage movie, which is at a meager 33%? I think they finally got Hollywood right. How about It Follows, 97%. Worse than your parents giving you the sex is evil talk. How do you feel about Juno, which is at 94%? That would be a movie that celebrates a teenage homewrecker. Uh, how about Bewitched at 25%? Best television adaptation ever put to film. How do you feel about American Hustle? The towering 93%. Overwrought awards bait. Righteous Kill, 19%. The movie that Michael Mann wishes he had made when he created Heat. Sounds about right. I'm Julio. I'm Alex, and we are the Contrarians. As you can tell, our thing is that we rage against the Rotten Tomatoes machine. Regardless of what we really feel. Find us on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, TuneIn. Facebook, Twitter, we're everywhere. Okay, now sequels. Sequels. All right, after you then, John. Okay, so I have got three sequel ideas this week. So three, three, um, two of them pretty short, and then one of them a little bit more fleshed out, but still shorter than mm-hmm. usual. So, Because okay. basically, one of the things I really liked about this film is I feel like it had a lot of interesting characters. Yeah. like Which is often the case with Tarantino. He does write good characters. So I had a thought of, like, where, there's a lot of characters where for, like, where would I like to see them go next? Mm. Or more specifically, since most of them end up dead, where did they come from before? Mm-hmm. So, my first idea is called Better Call Schultz. Okay. And this is a prequel about uh, the Christoph Waltz character, mm-hmm. Schultz. That is his name, right? Schultz? I think so. Uh, you can I'll, I'll look it up. Okay. Uh, and it's about his life before he met Django, basically. Because mm-hmm. he comes into the film kind of, like you said, he doesn't really have an arc. He comes into the film kind of fully formed mm. as this kind of, you know, happy-go-lucky bounty hunter. Dr. King Schultz. King Schultz, yes. Mm. So I just thought it would be really interesting to see a prequel movie starring Christoph Waltz about that character, how he maybe came over from Germany to America in the first place, mm-hmm. uh, how he got into the bounty hunting game, obviously, mm-hmm. and um, whether or not he ever had any kind of family, because he, he's very much like a unconnected character. Like He's mm-hmm. friends with Django, but he doesn't really seem to have any other like significant relationships in his life. Yeah. So my theory was that this character, maybe, I think he went over to America... And fell in love with a black woman. Maybe married her, maybe didn't, I don't know. Mm-hmm. But I think that might be why. Not that you need to fall in love with a black person to not be a racist, but mm. in this world, I thought that might be an interesting backstory for him, where maybe he has a whole love affair with a black woman, and maybe she dies or whatever, or they're separated in some way. Yeah. And that's why he comes to hate slavery and has a lot of sympathy for Django's cause. He's okay, like, well, I couldn't yeah. save my black wife, mm-hmm. but I'm going to let you, I'm going to... Mm-hmm. I want to help you to save yours. And that would explain why he's so emotionally invested in them. Because mm. he does, it's quite selfless. Like, he doesn't have any reason, other than the fact that Django helps him out previously with all of their bounty hunting adventures. Mm-hmm. He doesn't really have a particular 
reason to be as helpful as he is other than he's just a good person mm. I mean a good person who's also a killer but you know on the whole in this film yeah so I thought that, that's pretty much it but I thought that would be an interesting I'd like to see some kind of prequel there yeah, that could be an interesting one definitely film, yeah. mm. so that was number one number two is called Candyland mm. and this is a prequel an origin story for Leonardo DiCaprio's character Candy mm-hmm. and his sister because mm-hmm. like I said I thought their relationship was definitely a little bit weird mm. there was definitely strong undertones of like incest or certainly there was something weird going on with those two so I thought maybe, because he does mention early on, he's like, this is my widowed sister. So she's obviously got a dead husband somewhere down the line. Yeah. So maybe it's his plantation. Maybe Candyland was initially her husband's plantation. And maybe Leo and his sister had kind of an incestuous kind of Lannister-y vibe kind of going on. And then she married this rich plantation. Owner. And maybe Leo is like the, the runt of the litter, kind of the, maybe he's like Tyrion and Jamie combined. Mm-hmm. He's sleeping with his sister, but he's also like, his, his dad hates him. His family hates him. His sister's new husband hates him maybe he's just like constantly getting abused and like and that's why he's really twisted and fucked up because mm-hmm. he's definitely a really fucked up character mm-hmm. yeah and maybe so, so maybe his sister marries this rich, rich plantation owner he's just out to having to work on the plantation you know and maybe his only friend is an elderly slave called Stephen mm-hmm. which is the Samuel L. Jackson character in slightly less aging makeup <laughs> so sure. you could explore you could explore their whole backstory I think that'd yeah. be really interesting and uh, yeah, maybe maybe the film ends with uh, Candy, Stephen, and, and Laura Lee, the sister, conspiring to murder the plantation owner, Laura Lee's husband, mm-hmm. so that Leo can take over. Oh and yeah, that we we'll just get to see how he comes to rule the plantation. Yeah. So that was idea number two. So the third one is a little more fleshed out. This is more of like an actual idea. Okay. And this is called Django Unchained Two: Hildy Unleashed. Sure. So Django Unchained, mm-hmm. Hildy Unleashed. Because mm-hmm. again, one another complaint I had about this film was that, as I mentioned earlier. Kerry Washington's character as the wife, Hildy, really doesn't get anything to do. And it is a bit, it's a bit reductive. Like mm-hmm. she literally, all she does is cry and suffer and scream. And you know, yeah. she's kind of a useless character. Yeah. So I'd like to kind of rectify that and give her a little bit more agency. So this is actually a sequel. Mm-hmm. Okay, very good. So at the end of the first film, Django and Hildy, they're on the road. They ride off into the sunset together, having burnt down Candyland killed Candy and Steven and all their enemies. Mm-hmm. And then our free folk, they've got their papers as well saying that they're free. But, obviously, having just burnt down a plantation, they soon find themselves to be the most wanted slaves in the entire state. Mm-hmm. So there's a whole manhunt out looking for them. Which means they're going to be forced to hide their identity. Which means that their freedom papers are pretty much useless. Invalid, yeah. They're invalid. Because yeah. they, as soon as they show those with their identities on them, they're going to get lynched, basically. Mm-hmm. So that means that, that that whole thing is gone, basically. That advantage is no longer there. Mm-hmm. So the the, the travelling undercover just trying to get out of the state to somewhere safer. And as they're travelling on the road out of Mississippi, they're attacked by a rogue gang of slave traders. Mm-hmm. And Django tells Hildy to hide, and she's forced to watch from, I don't know, some bushes or something, as he's overpowered, beaten, and dragged off in chains. Sure. But they don't know who he is. They, they've, they don't know that they've captured Django, the mm-hmm. murderer. They just think that they've captured a slave. Yeah. So he's under a fake identity, so at least there's that. Okay. Anyway, so Hildy is now left defenceless and alone. And she wanders through the woods with only a little bit of food, a gun, and the clothes on her back, basically. Mm-hmm. So she's wandering for days and days and days, doesn't know where, where she's going. And eventually she passes out from hunger and exhaustion. Sometime later, she's revived and finds herself in a small camp populated entirely by black women. Mm-hmm. So she's introduced to the leader of this troupe, who I think is obviously going to be played by Viola Davis. Mm-hmm. That's the perfect role. Yeah. And she explains that this camp is all made up of escaped slave women who, for some reason, lost their husbands if they ever had husbands. And they now band together for protection. Mm. So I think this is a great opportunity to kind of have a reverse of Django Unchained where it's all female characters. Mm-hmm. And it's all the female slaves okay, like, yeah. kind of doing it for themselves. So you could have like Taraji P. Henson. You could have Cynthia Erivo from... Um, she was in Widows and she was also in uh, Fast Times... Not Fast Times. Uh, Bad Times at the L.A.R. Mm-hmm. The, the, oh, oh, yeah, the sing- yeah. The singer from that film. Yeah. Uh, Jada Pinkett-Smith's obviously going to be there. Mm-hmm. Regina King could be there. All these great women, basically. Sounds good. Yeah. Uh, so they offer to take her in, to let let her join their kind of society. And they teach her the art of self-defense. So we can get a montage now where Kerry Washington learns how to shoot a gun, crack a whip, ride a horse. All the core skills she's going to need to rescue her husband. Mm. So this is really going to be her story. So the movie's going to follow the gang as they attempt to track down Django's whereabouts. But they're going to be a lot smarter about it than Schultz and Django were. Because like, obviously they're women and they're black. They can't just walk into towns and walk into like random bars and just cause chaos. That's not going to work out for them. Mm-hmm. 
So instead, they pose as prostitutes to lure slavers in and make them put them in a vulnerable position Mm -hmm. and then basically rob them. So they never get put on wanted posters because none of these racist arseholes is ever going to admit to being beaten up by a black woman. Sure. So they always get away with it. Yeah. This was slightly inspired by that new Jennifer Lopez movie we keep seeing trailers for. Oh, yeah. You know, where she's like working in a strip club and they're going to be like, well, what are they going to say? We spent $5,000 in a strip club. Mm Mm-hmm. It's kind of like that. It's kind of, they're going to keep robbing all of these racist plantation slave traders mm. and then they're always going to be too ashamed to say, oh, I got beaten up by a girl. So mm. that's how they get away with it. Sounds good, yeah. yeah. So they've got this whole racket going on. Yeah. So anyway, they do that for a whole montage and then they find out that Django is in the hands of another sinister slaver. And I'm thinking this kind of plantation owner slaver can be played by Sam Elliott. Oh, yeah, that works. Because he's obviously, really well. he's a Southerner's molasses, mm. but he always plays like, he seems to always play nice characters. Mm-hmm. So I'd like to see Sam Elliott just doing the same Sam Elliott thing he always does. Yeah. But make that villainous. Yeah. I think that could be a lot of fun. Yeah, that could work really yeah. well. Like if he's not going to be like at 11, like Leo, he's going to be like very relaxed evil. Mm-hmm. I think that could really work. I'd love to see. I don't know if he's ever played a villain, mm. but I'd love to see him play this kind of villain. Mm-hmm. That could work. So the women find out that Django is on this plantation. And they all agree to help Hildy to get him out. But they need a way in. They can't just walk in. So they hook up with a friendly southern white widow, who I think should be played by Renee Zellweger, because mm-hmm. she's from Texas, so she, she can do like the southern accent very well. Okay, yeah. And so she's just going to team up with them, and she's she's going to pose as like a a travelling madam. like a She's basically a travelling white woman who sells black prostitutes, basically. Sure. Because I can imagine that might, might have been a thing, but it's certainly plausible. Mm-hmm. So she kind of rocks up at the door with the gang and kind of poses as the madam of this, you know, there's a slave trader basically saying, I'm here to sell some prostitutes, would you like a good time with my girls kind of mm-hmm. thing. Sam Elliott welcomes them and they throw a, a lavish dinner that Renee can attend. Obviously the black women can't because racism. But while she's at the dinner, all the rest of the women sneak off and distract the workers, you know, using their womanly wiles, you know, seducing them, while Hildy sneaks off to try and find Django. And she discovers that he's been locked up for trying to escape and he's due to face his punishment tomorrow. So he's locked up in like a cell somewhere. And the only key is held by Sam Elliott, who's back at the plantation. Mm-hmm. So she sneaks back to the plantation and tries to get a message to Renee Zellweger's character. Unfortunately, Sam Elliott's character smells a rat. And he ties them up and demands to know what their real their real game is. Mm-hmm. So much like Leo, he kind of figures out that there's some kind of something's afoot here. Yeah. So, you know. Yeah. Uh, so with Renee Zellweger and uh, Hildy both tied up and captured... It falls to the rest of the women to mount a rescue operation. So we're going to get like Viola Davis and all the rest of the women like leading a full-on gunfight. Basically, it's just going to be fantastic. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's like widows but better. Mm-hmm. They're going to shoot their way into the house, kill all the racist men, and free all of the slaves. Basically, mm-hmm. and yeah, and it's going to end with Hildy riding her horse across the field. She's going to unchain Django, and they're all going to ride off into the sunset. Yeah, Django so unchained. Django oh. is literally going to be unchained. Yeah. Okay. And uh, yeah, the women save the day. So I think something that could be a cool kind of kill Billish kind of. Yeah, thing where it's the same. It's it's similar, but the women get a bit of power. So, yeah, yeah. No, that sounds good. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, so mine. It's got a longer title. Okay. It's called Broomhilda and Django: Slingers Against Slavers. Slingers Against Slavers. I'm yeah. intrigued. Okay. <laughs> I wanted to give it a really Western kind of title and like a so, proper. This is Gunslingers. Well. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Sure. I can just imagine that in a really sort of Tarantino kind of font. Yeah. Poster. <laughs> yeah. Sort of thing you'd do. Um, so bright yellow. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to start off with. Uh, a very, very, very long scene of two slaves walking through the desert behind a horse and carriage. Mm. The slaves are Django and Brumhilda. Uh, is this a sequel? Yes. Okay. Uh, the man riding the carriage is going to be Tim Roth. Oh, okay. A good choice. Another Tarantino perennial, mm-hmm. yeah. Good choice. Yes, yeah. I had a look through. It was either him or um, uh, John Travolta, which didn't feel right. Yeah, that'd be, <laughs> that'd be distracting. Yeah. I think there's a reason they don't use him as much anymore. Yeah. So is Tim um, Roth putting on an American accent, though? Because he's yeah. British. Okay, cool. Yeah. The scene goes on for a good five hours or so, mm-hmm. um, until they eventually pull up at the front gate of a plantation. Tim Roth gets off and has a big talk with the man who is now in charge of the plantation, Jonah Hill. Oh, okay. So he survived the initial raid and now he's taken over Big Daddy's plantation. Yeah, pretty okay, much. Cool. We, we, we didn't see him die specifically, we didn't, so, no. you know, why not? Uh, they talk for ages and eventually Tim Roth asks Jonah if he'd like to buy any, either of the slaves. Um, Jonah agrees and uh, buys the slaves there and then. And offers to host Tim Roth here for a few days before he gets on his way. Mm-hmm. So then we we follow Django and Brumhilda a little bit. as They get to go work with the slaves. And maybe there's a, a montage or maybe many long scenes. I'm not too sure. Mm-hmm. But they, they talk amongst the other slaves and they explain their plan. 
Um, in the year since Big Daddy was killed, uh, Jonah Hill has actually franchised out his plantation across all the country. Oh, wow. And uh, the mother company, of course, being called Big Daddy Corporation. Oh, this is the origin story of Big Daddy. I like <laughs> it. Great. In honour of the man himself. Mm-hmm. Uh, listeners, if uh, you've not listened to some of the previous episodes, Big Daddy Corp has been my evil corporation behind many a, a sequel pitch. Many I've, a scheme, yeah. I've done, you know, it's my Wayland yutani it's my... Disney, I guess. <laughs> Let's be honest. Yeah, so the plan is that, that Django and Hilda have, they're going to they infiltrate all of the plantations, go around, and remotely organise uprisings, which will all happen at the same time across the country, okay. um, to stop any kind of, you know, retaliation. Sure. That time is going to be Christmas morning. Okay. I feel like it's a very Tarantino thing to take something so extreme and do the complete opposite with it okay so is that are they celebrating Christmas is Jonah Hill going to be wearing like a red so suit? like so like at this time it could be say they're in summer right now and they're right. saying to all the slaves hey we're going to go around all the plantations right. over the next six months mm-hmm. Christmas morning this year you all come together mm-hmm. I would love to see a Tarantino Christmas movie yeah it'd be great right be amazing yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah using their new white friend Tim Roth um, who poses as a, as a slaver? They get themselves sold into each plantation and eventually escape captivity. Oh, okay. That's the way that they're doing things. So they're Tim- like freedom fighters. So they're, they're saving all the other slaves. Pretty much, yeah. Okay. Tim Roth's kind of the Christoph Waltz character, basically. If you want, you can make him a brother. I don't know. I don't care. Sure. It's not really important. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they just found his brother somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so over the course of the film, we see this happen over and over again. They go into a different plantation. This one's run by Jonah Hill. They go into a new one. That's James Franco's plantation. They go to Seth Rogen's. They just go on. They're just killing off all of the super bad cast, basically. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they're, not, they're not killing them at this point. They're, they're just going in, just getting the slaves there to be aware of the plan. Christmas morning is the morning. Oh, and I see. They're just spreading word. Like overthrow everybody. Statewide. Overthrow yeah. everybody at once in the same moment. I that's see. That's what's okay. going to happen. Yeah, but that's not quite enough for Django and Brumhilda. Um, they want to be there when the slavers themselves are all murdered. Right. And so they send false invitations to all of them. They all get invited to uh, New Candyland, where, according to the invitation, Carvin Candy Jr., a man who does not exist, right, okay. uh, would like to host their Christmas. Oh, interesting. So now cut to Christmas Eve. Mm-hmm. Everybody shows up. Tim Roth is pretended to be Carvin Candy Jr. Mm-hmm. I guess he's the son of Leo. <laughs> I mean... I'm pretty sure he's got a good 10, 20 years on Leo, but okay. Do you want to... We could introduce a new character here. We could have a Zac Efron or something. Well, who do you think would play, like, Leo's son? I feel like Zac Efron would... I, I literally just, have... just, just thought of that right then. Yeah. And Zac Efron, he's really broadening his horizons with his acting. He I is, can see yeah. him doing a Tarantino. Yeah, they both started as, like, pretty boys, and then mm. they seem to be, like... Brand- well, Leo has branched out into lots of other stuff, and Zac Efron's... He's carving his way through. Yeah, yeah. I can see that, sure. Let's get Zac Efron on a Tarantino movie. I think that'd be a really good step for him. Yeah. Because he's a good actor. He is. And he's got charisma, so I reckon he can pull this off. Mm. So, anyway, it's Christmas Eve. Zac Efron is there to host them, and uh, there are many, many Tarantino-style long scenes of people talking over dinner or drinking and tensions rising. Mm-hmm. Django Brimhilda are posing as the house staff, and uh, they're trying to pretend that there's actually a full house of staff, but really it's just like those two and uh, Zac Efron Mm -hmm. Uh, the house has it's built on the old candy land it's a purpose built house to be a death trap Mm -hmm. the cellar is literally rigged with explosives they've been built into the house everywhere there's fuses everywhere that can be ignited that will explode the house any room has a fuse in it that will explode the house oh gosh so it's a real death trap Mm, exactly yeah well, this, the house has got one purpose. Yes, to, to blow up. Yeah. To, to kill... So have they rebuilt the original Candyland? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so it's Christmas Eve. The, uh, the meal's there. It's a long one. Um, there's many different tension things that happen. James Franco tries to start a fight with Django at one point. Uh, Seth Rogen's coming on to Broomhilda. Uh, Jonah Hill actually discovers the basement full of gunpowder, but is too drunk to recognise what it is and actually passes out in it. Oh, great. Uh, there's a lot of tension anyway. And then we get to the next morning. Broomhilda invites everybody downstairs to open their presents under the Christmas tree. Um, Is she posing as like a slave? Like a, yeah, yeah. She's yeah, posing like as a, a sexy slave. Yeah, you? yeah, sure. sort of thing. Like there was one that... The, the, that there was dressed like a had. Disney princess, yeah, with the, like the big flowing dress. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. 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 She's, she's doing that. Right, okay, sure. Yeah, and so she invites everybody down and uh, yeah, they all start opening their presents. Django and Broomhilda, they make, make an excuse to just go outside and go and check the kitchen or something. They actually light the fuse in the kitchen, run out the back door... And they all just watch as the house blows up. Yeah. Um, and, 
yeah, I don't know, maybe there's a little bloody explosion from the corner living <laughs> room. Just a head comes flying out or something and lands. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Jonah Hill's head just lands right by Django's feet. I reckon all three of them land like right at each at each of their feet, like face up and everything, yeah. like perfectly landing in a weird sort of zany way. Yeah. Can we then have like the, the music over the, Is this the end? That's pretty much the end, yeah. And then there's, I'd say the credits are probably going to happen over a montage of black slaves overthrowing plantation owners. Sure. Um, throughout the whole country, but can we have that over like some classic Christmas music? Like um, yes, that sounds good. Like silver. What's that one? Um, yeah. <laughs> like that kind of thing. Something like that. Yeah, yeah and uh, maybe some snowfalls and stuff. Like even though it's in the middle of like you know, hot sunny America. Maybe there's, well, like, it's Christmas. It's Christmas. So yeah, you, there was yeah. snow in Django and Chase. True, that's true. So, yeah, so, so maybe the snowfalls. Yeah. It's like maybe Django and Brynhild are like Merry Christmas. God blesses everyone. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that sort of thing. I like yeah, that. Yeah, Just yeah. to be way too extreme. Okay, so what essentially what you're pitching is a Django Christmas movie. Yeah. I like it. That's, It'd be good, right? It would. And I would like to see a Tarantino Christmas movie. Yeah. And this, that's kind of the only way I can imagine him doing it. Yeah. So, so that was uh, Brumhilda and Django, Slingers Against Slavers. I like it. Very good. Yeah. yeah I, I enjoyed that a lot. Well, does that mean we're on to listener submissions? I believe it does. Ooh, what do you got for me? Okay, so first one I got here from Brian John. He says, uh, why not the comic book one where he meets Zorro? Mm-hmm. Oh yes, I heard about this. So that's actually a genuine thing. Oh, is it? There's been after the original after this film came out, they wrote some comic book stuff. Mm. Uh, I, say, I, don't, I say they, not Tarantino, but somebody. <laughs> but it got published. So I guess it's official. And Tarantino probably really likes it. Where Django meets Zorro. Mm-hmm. You know Zorro from the Legends of Zorro mm-hmm. franchise. So, yeah. yeah, and they work together. So. Oh, that's good. Yeah, I um, actually, looking the the next two that I've got are both that as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dan Pratt says he meets Zorro. Mm-hmm. Uh, John Barr says, "Isn't there a spin-off with uh, with Zorro based on the comic?" Yeah. Well, they're all correct. I guess, yeah. Uh, Simon si- Simon Montripman says uh, the sequel should be called Brumhilda Unchained. I got the. I went there. I went there. So yeah. Yeah. Daniel Worley says huge swerve. It's the year twenty seven sixty five. And Django's great, 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 big breath, great, 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 great grandchild is a bounty hunter searching for the last xenophobic alien racist that captured his woman. Okay. I can see that, yeah. Yes. Nick Drum says it would be a mild box office success, but a disappointment to both critics and fans. I guess he's talking about if a sequel would Oh, so he's not pitching anything. No, he's not. Judging what we would do. Yes. Screw you. I think our idea is a blockbuster. Thank you very much. Uh, Kayla MH says, I just want him to re-release it, but instead of the unnecessary half-journey with the Aussie, he frees himself from the shed, gets back his guns himself, and finds dynamite in the back somewhere. We still get the same great ending, but those extra lagging minutes are cut out. So essentially, Tarantino, cut yourself out your own movies. Fair. Fair. (laughs) I'm on board with that. Uh, James Kalanaya says, Older Django meets young Tarzan in Africa. Oh, interesting. It's a weird crossover. I like it. It is. It's odd, but it could work, yeah. Uh, Greg uh, McKay says... Or McKay? McKay? Greg McKay? Greg McKay? I don't know. It's M-U-C at the start, so I I don't know. Anyway, uh, Django's sequel is also his Star Trek movie. I know that Tarantino was set to do a Star Trek movie Oh, yes, so he was. Okay, okay, sure. So is that Django in space? I guess, yeah, Django in space. Sure. Uh, Tom Priest says, I'd like to think Hateful Eight is a sequel. A lot of people said that on mine as well, that Hateful Eight was the sequel, but... Yeah... Is, is Django in Hateful Eight? Is there a cameo? Or? I don't know. Tommy O'Hara says, leaked image from two Django, two Furious. <laughs> um, and he's posted an image of uh, Danny DeVito in It's Always Sunny Philadelphia. Nice. Him as Frank with the caption, I'm going to say the N-word. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, dear. <laughs> it's great. Oh, yeah. And then the final one is, as before, Victor Olivia says, I believe there was a comic where Django crosses over with Zorro that Tarantino advised on, but... Yeah, apparently it's in the works. Like it's in discussion that it could be made. Probably Tarantino really? won't direct it, but yeah. yeah. Cool. Cool. Okay, I have some as well. Matt Hanley said Django Unchained two. Mm. Logic is irrefutable. <laughs> oh, uh, was that it? Oh, that right, was it yeah. <laughs> Joshua Williams said Django: The Rechaining. Ooh. Yeah. Spencer Cop said Django Unchained Melody. He's a righteous brother. <laughs> Great. That's good. I like that a lot. Uh, Matthew Hedge said. Django unpantsed. This time it's all full frontal. Oh dear. Yeah. People like what they like. (laughs) Scott Meeker said, Django largely unchanged. A director's cut that boasts about three minutes of extended scenes. So I guess that's a (laughs) comment on the forthcoming Spider-Man and Endgame, you know, the way Marvel is just like releasing a lot of 
director's cuts that are not really director's cuts. What? You know how Far From Home is getting re-released with additional footage? Is it? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you're so out of touch. Mm. Yeah, you know what they did with Endgame? Which obviously they did to kind of get it over the line. They didn't release it. Oh, oh that, like that. Oh, I see. Yeah, they re-released it with, in cinemas. Uh, in cinemas, With yes. extra post-credit with, like, scenes. Very minor extra scenes, yeah. yeah. They're doing that with Far From Home as well. With what, post-credit scenes or a DVD release? No, on, to like, the cinema. To the cinema. Okay. It's getting a cinematic... Far From Home is getting a cinematic re-release. Oh, right. With like three minutes of extra footage. Why? To make more money. Like, no, I get it with Endgame. They wanted to get that record, but, like, why? To Just to make more money. Even even nec- not necessarily to make it, like, the most successful film ever, but mm. just to make more money, I think. Oh, yeah. Anyway, so, yeah, that seems to be a trend that Disney are doing to fleece fans like you. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Scott Meek has called them out on it. Yeah. Oh, wow. Cool. Uh, I like this one. David Handloss said, Django Mansplained. <laughs> a rewatch of the original by a movie critic trying to explain the merits of the film to his bored girlfriend. <laughs> Jose Martinez said Django and Cash, like Tango and Cash. Oh yeah, very yeah. nice. Tice Van Sice said Django Kazooie. Django and his bird companion Kazooie must collect golden puzzle pieces while simultaneously murdering racist pieces of crap. That's based on a Banjo Kazooie, which is a popular PlayStation game. Mm-hmm. Damien Fialkowski said Django Unplugged, the live acoustic album. Nice. Gary Spencer said, Last Django in Paris. Mm-hmm. Last Tango in Paris. Mm-hmm. And finally, over on Twitter, at Depressed Movie said, Django the Unchainer. Set during the American Civil War, Django takes on the higher-ups of the Confederacy, confronting Colonel Custer, General Lee, and finally Jefferson Davis in a bloody path to emancipation. So it's a historical epic mm. in which Django fights genuine like American leaders. Basically. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, so that's all I've got. So thank you for those. Those were our sequel ideas for Django Unchained. If you have any sequel ideas for Django Unchained or any other films we've done in the past, please let us know. We are Beyond the Box Set. You can find us at beyondtheboxset.com. Our podcast is available on all good podcasting platforms, including iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, Acast, you name it, we're on it. If we're on it, let us know. We will get on it. You can also contact us on social media, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Just search Beyond the Box Set or at Beyond the Box Set on Twitter. And our Patreon is patreon.com forward slash Beyond the box set. And next week, Harry, what are we doing? Well, next week we have a guest on. Mm-hmm. Um, it is a uh, seldom regular returning guest, Louise. Mm-hmm. She's going to come on and she's going to do a film called Napoleon Dynamite. Indeed, a film I have never seen. All right, great. Mm. Didn't appeal to me. No? No, I was working in HMV when this film came out. Or when it came out on DVD, certainly. I just remember it being like very popular with like basic straight people mm-hmm. I remember a lot of like vote Pedro t-shirts at the time and like I remember the DVD with his like derp face and I was like ugh this one was not for me <laughs> but I will watch it with an open mind no, I may, like... I'm probably I, I, there's a good chance I misjudged it mm-hmm. so I will watch it with an entirely open mind I'm looking forward to seeing your comments on it then yeah I look forward to mm. having an opinion on it after all these years so mm-hmm. so cool I guess join us next week for uh, Django Unchained no we just you just had that one join us next week for Napoleon Dynamite yes great Thank you, everybody, for listening, Mm -hmm. and we'll see you next time. See you next time. Bye. Bye.